It's time to get into the dead. To me, it's got a ring to it. A weekly podcast dedicated to covering the student-athletes, coaches, and teams of the University of Minnesota Morris Cougars. There is no better place than into the den. And now, from the home of the Cougars, let's go deep into the den. We're going to talk Cougar athletics. With your co-hosts, Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. We are live and in living color here, Mr. Grove. Welcome back to another episode, my friend. Great to be back. Another week of Cougar Athletics we get to talk about, and uh, this will, I think this will be our last one for the year of 2022, and uh, nice way to go out with a great guest here today and Coach Marty Hoffman. Well, it's a guest. I don't know. I mean, we'll see how great he is. I mean, he's got big shoes to fill, though. Let's not kid ourselves. Coach Turnbull set the bar high. Susan Guth was on point, and then now we'll see what Marty's got. Bring well, I, again, I just got a bone to pick first, okay? Ooh. I mean, this is episode nine, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm first on now? <laughs> well, okay, just so you know, you are a little busy. You were quite busy for the first, what, seven episodes that we did, uh, you know, preparing and walking around the CSC looking grumpy all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of your MO in the in the in season, so we kind of leave you alone. Well, the, the, this maybe could have brought my spirits up, though, a little bit. Could have brought your spirits up, but spirits the, up. the reality is we, we go off what the listeners want, and frankly, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, but You know what? That's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> viewer, viewer feedback had you slotted for episode nine. Yeah. Okay. But it is uh, exciting to be back here with everybody on air and, and obviously um, you know taking part in episode nine and our last one before the holiday break. And, and as much grief as we're given, Mr. Hoffman, here, it is excellent to be joined, Marty, by you and, and have an opportunity to talk a little bit about Cougar football here. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for uh, finally having me. Look finally at that. Having what me. a guy. See, what even a guy. even with a compliment, it's still like backhanded though. Finally yeah. having me, yeah. you know. I have a feeling this will be lathered with sarcasm today for yeah. some reason. Well, it's off to a great start. Well, and he might just uh do this into his last appearance on the den too. That's the reality <laughs> with the whole thing. So, um Coach, as we get going here, and, and we've done this with the last couple guests too, uh, do us a favor if you would. And obviously, you know, uh, Tim and I know you well. I mean, people within the, the Cougar family know you well. But talk to me a little bit about who you are, where you are, where you came from. You know, how, how many years have you been here with UMM? You know, kind of share just a little uh, information about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, well, this is going into my 10th um, year being back. And I say being back because I'm an alum from 2005. And just good to be, you know, back here, back home, really taking this program to, you know, where I envision it, even when I was a player, and that's championship caliber. So, um, yeah, prior to that, I was, uh, after I graduated, kind of got into coaching. I was fortunate enough to get a opportunity at South Dakota State and, uh, you know, did some work there, got my master's degree there. That was a great experience. And uh, from there, made stops at different locations throughout the state, and at Carleton College, at uh, Moorhead, and then obviously, like I said, got back home here in 2013, so creeping up here on 10 years, and going into my sixth season as the head coach, so, um, you know, really excited about that, about the progress that we've made. Um, talking, I mean, kind of on that same vein in terms of, and I know this is important to you as being a family man, talk to me a little bit about your family, and again, we know them, but for everybody out there, I mean, wife, kids, what does that look like, and when you're not 
you know, thinking, doing football, which I know is like 88% of the time. What's the other 12%, man? What else uh, is kind of passions for you? It's, it's probably more like 2%. Oh, um, 98%. 98%, I yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have such great support at home. Um, my wife, who I've known quite literally since kindergarten, um, we've, we're high school sweethearts, did that Aww. whole thing. I know, so cute, right? Can we get some applause here? That's fantastic. Um, so oh, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, going on, shoot, 16 years of marriage too. So, um, but uh, our three kids, um, Brady, Quentin, and Elena, are just loving life here. Uh, I knew they would. Uh, this fits our kind of our model for how we wanted to raise our family. Uh, again, no slight against any other stops that we've been, but the great thing about Morris is the family environment. It's, it's being able to bring your kids in, have your kids on the sideline, um, you know, being able to have them involved. But Lacey's probably should be a paid employee for me for how much <laughs> she, how much she works and how much she dedicates to Cougar football. Um, I mean, our, we're invested in this, um, you know, and, and, and these kids are so important to us. Um, seeing them be successful is like seeing our own kids be successful. So, um, you know, the, the relationship and the bond there is just outstanding. I love hearing that. That is something that is common, has been common through, obviously, the, the conversations we've had with coaches here on the podcast, but that's something that we talk about. I don't want to say daily because that would be going too far. We often talk about whenever that is, is brought up um, is that family atmosphere. And I want to take it a little bit beyond, I guess, technically beyond family and talk about the two of you a little bit. You've had, um, uh, you guys have common past, right? Um, UMM football players and alums, obviously, and had an opportunity to work together um, with the football program. Talk to me a little bit about your relationship and what it was like to, um, you know, coach together, and then now this new dynamic that we have in terms of Matt as the AD and and Marty as a head football coach. Well, I'll let you go first. Oh, uh, okay. See how this happens. Yeah, um, I guess I can say I've had the pleasure. Is that the right word of knowing <laughs> Matt? I mean, for yes. close to what twenty some years yeah. now. Um, yeah, he and I played here together. Um, you know, he was, uh, certainly consider him a friend yet, even though, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, shoot, I was in the guy's wedding. So, I mean, you know, our, our dynamic is, is really cool. And I don't know how many AD head football coach relationships are like ours. Um, you know, it's pretty unique. And, and again, I, I, I reference coming back home and, and having that shared vision. Well, that is equally as important as it's shared by Matt, and, and we both understand, um, you know, what we can do here and, and, and what we can do, not, and not just in Cougar football, but really Cougar athletics um, in general and, and hanging up banners, you know, and being able to see our kids be successful in the classroom, on the fields, um, courts, pools, whatever. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a relationship that uh, goes way back, that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean... It started as players, right, and as friends and, and teammates, but then it, it transitions into see him as a professional. And I, you know, as when Coach came back here, I was just on the football staff. I was, you know, just like anyone else, I guess, in terms of the, in the coaching world. But I got to see firsthand what, what his dedication was to 
Cougar Athletics, to his family, to those people that are important to him. And and that's the kind of stuff that, you know, as I sit now in my AD chair, that you're looking for in a coach, right? And and the beauty of it is Marty's not exclusive in this regard because I think, and I said this in multiple weeks and I'll say again, our clientele in athletics between our students, but our certainly our staff, are a whole lot of people that are a lot like Marty, you know, that 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 know what Morris is about, know why they're here, know what what they can bring to the table to help to help achieve great things. Um, and on a personal, I do consider him a friend because literally it has been 20 years. Um, and there have been ups and downs like there has everything else, but he was number 52 and I was number 53, so our lockers were even next to each other. I mean, there was a lot of stuff like that. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, and that, you know, and I can say that he was 52 because we'd had him playing free safety. And you want to know an easy way to get picked out on the field? Just put a dude in number 50 back in the defensive secondary and see if he doesn't get thrown at. But It was uh, a bait strategy, I believe. <laughs> well, we switched we it is what happened there, <laughs> yes. so it worked. But, um, yeah, it's great to have people that I get to, a chance to work with on a, on a regular basis that are that are friends and and coach Hoffman certainly qualifies as that. I I think the one thing too, if I can add to that, that's really nice is, um, I mean, we're honest with each other too. Um, I'm not afraid to say something that I guess maybe a normal football coach wouldn't say to their AD. Um, and he can say stuff to me and I, I don't know, it's just kind of a unique thing. Um, because of that relationship, um, we can be real honest with each other, I guess. And I don't always agree with him uh, by no means, um, and nor does he with me. But, uh, again, we all have the you know Cougar Athletics in mind with anything. Absolutely. And there's um, definitely that value and transparency that uh, the two of you absolutely share and obviously share. And, um, yeah, that, that can be great for a working relationship. Um, and, and it certainly goes beyond that for you guys. Now, to bring this kind of back, I guess, to the field um, and talk a little bit about this past season, uh, you guys were 5-5 five and five overall, but I think more importantly for all of us here, it's, it's that 4-2 conference record, and even stacking on top of that was those meaningful games being played in November. Had an opportunity for, um, uh, for the second year in a row to have games toward the end of the season where you could be at least have a share of a conference championship. And that's exciting. So if you want to just talk a little bit about the season itself, um, how that was from your standpoint, I know as you go through it, it's not something that you can necessarily enjoy because you're always looking toward the next thing. Uh, but if you could just kind of talk about the season um, and its, its ups and downs, but uh, you know, certainly focusing on all the good stuff that occurred this year. Yeah, I think uh, you, know, you kind of reference it or anything. Anytime you start a season uh, – coach and and you know this too I mean you 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 want to play meaningful games late in the season and you want to be in a situation where the game that you're playing in November um, has championship implications to it you know and 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 so that's any football coach's hope as you get into the season is um, let's be in that situation and and unfortunately yeah we weren't able to to finish that um, which is highly motivated this football team right now I mean I see our guys right now and they're chomping at the bit to get back out there so you know so that's exciting um from the ups and downs of the season like there are every year I mean there's always things that uh you kind of look back on and um you know the the one thing that that really I'm proud of is the way this team you know really we kind of started the season slowly um they went up being 0-3 uh to start the year and then proceeded to rattle off five in a row um, and that's something that speaks to our guys' character, um, to their 
commitment to Cougar football, and that's something that we talk a lot about. You know, mental toughness is is such an important asset to have, and so overcoming those adversities. I mean, they've been very easy, right? To you know, turn tail the other way, but um, you know, this team just kept fighting and kept battling, and we got into the conference schedule and. Um, you know, like I said, go five in a row, have two games where we have back-to-back shutouts. Uh, first time that's happened since 1978. Um, I wasn't even born yet, you know, when, when, when Cougar football did that. So uh, to do things like that, to, to put up uh, the amount of rushing yards that we did this season, um, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty solid in, in the trenches, as they say, both D-line, offensive line as well. And, um, you know, being able to play Northwestern in a just – awesome environment um, and, and be in a situation where if we're able to to get that win, uh, we at least secured a share of the conference title and then play Greenville in the last game of the season with everything at stake. And, um, you know, really uh, disappointed in that. I know our guys are definitely disappointed in that. Um, you know, we get stopped on a fourth and one at their 29 uh, going into score. And I'm telling you right now, and I already had that conversation with Coach Burke on the sideline, we're going for two. Uh, we're going to end that game right there. Because, uh, again, we felt really good about the momentum that was being generated. So, um, you know, to have the awards that our guys got honored with this year, again, I think all individual awards are team awards, I think speaks a lot to kind of our program and kind of where we are. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about that then. And and I know you're talking about that, you know, starting off the 0-1-3 and transitioning into what ended up being a, a really successful season for us. Um, but really only five seniors, true seniors on the roster. And I know the, the, the COVID dynamic still plays into the – I mean, that's we're still going to deal with that for another year or two. But you had a a, a a group of young football players that really kind of rose to the top and experienced some high leverage situations. And I, uh, before you answer here, Coach, I, um, you know, Kevin was in my office. Coach Burke was, and he's like, with this now generation of Cougars, they don't have any experience of what it was just even a couple of years ago. You know, with some of the losing and and, and trials and tribulations that you and I experienced on staff. Um, that, that now that's not what these guys' experience is. They they have an expectation of four and two in conference, five and one in conference, six and zero. Oh. Talk to a little bit about that and, and kind of the growth you've seen in the program. Yeah, that's um, you know, Coach Burke reminds me of that every time too. Every time, maybe I'm a little grumpy when I look kind of that way. Um, is that you know these guys know nothing but the expectation of winning, um, and, and you know that growth has been really awesome to see and, and you referenced the you know five seniors I mean one of them is coming back for a COVID year and then our junior class is kind of the last group of that of that COVID year you know we're going to lose four guys you know in terms of upperclassmen and we did this like you said with a lot of youth um, on on the field and so um, you know and that's done with recruiting and and being able to continually stack classes together um, and then finding those guys, you know, we're, we're big into development of players. Um, you know, we're not going to get the four or five star recruits, those types of things, obviously with a lot of D2s. And so we get kids that um, really want to get better and, and really the ceiling is higher on some of those guys. And that's what you were starting to see is that we're kind of reaping some of the benefits of what we've been able to do in recruiting. Well, and some of those benefits obviously resulted in 13 all-conference players this past year, um, a, a conference defensive player of the year, two West region third-team honorees. I mean, those are and, – and I like how you put it that all individual awards are team awards – but but a vast majority of those guys are back for you again too. So I mean, programmatically, you've got to have sky high expectations in terms of of what is is coming up here for Cougar football. We do, and and of those thirteen you reference, only one of them 
two of them um, aren't returning, you know, so 11 of those guys are back. And, you know, uh, more importantly, a lot of them are up front, you know, and that's where we got to continue to um, establish the way we play football and how we're going to play. And, um, you know, getting Marcus back, the guy that, you know, pulls the trigger, so to speak, is is huge. And let's not kid ourselves, Isaiah Boss is dynamic. I mean, he is a player that you reference the all-region team, that's, that's one of them. Uh, and Chase Meyer, who's a freshman, um, won Defensive Player of the Year in our conference um, and was also on that region team. So, I mean, just some youth that is dynamic and not just, you know, in one game, in multiple games, you know, this. So, I mean, it's, it's fun to watch some of these kids play. I mean, they, they absolutely change games, and um, those are just two examples. Yeah, and I can tell you from a – I guess I would say from an outsider outsider standpoint, you just mentioned it there. This group was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, what you guys have been able to attract from a skill position um, situation and 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 putting these guys in position to be successful on the field has been just so much fun to watch. But then you also mentioned what's important and what's a, a great feeling is to have the have guys in the trenches coming back. Mm-hmm. And we all know that that's where that's where games are won and lost, right, is with the guys up front. And if you could talk specifically about that um, and maybe highlight some of those guys because that is such a crucial part. You know, the Isaiah Bosses and the Chase Myers, they get, they get some of that big recognition. But if you could talk about the, the hogs up front uh, both ways, kind of give them a little love here, maybe uh, see, what, see what you have to say about them. Any chance I, give, I get to give them love, I'm all for. Um, you know, because they – Specifically, the offensive line, and and I know we got a former O lineman in That's this right. room here with us. Doesn't look as good, but um, he, well, uh, since I got off my weightlifting regiment the day that my career ended, that really you is never what lifted yeah. a weight a day in your life. Don't kid yourself. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, those guys are. I mean, they're the greatest, and it's kind of funny, but I mean, they're some of the greatest humans in sport. You know, in terms of guys that are complete. I mean, there's no stats for them, right? I mean, that's the thing that's kind of funny is, you know, you think an offensive lineman, they're, you know, well, what do they do? Well, they do everything. They just don't get any of the stats. And Isaiah Boss and Marcus and all of our offensive guys, our receivers, tight ends, they can thank uh, what those guys do up front. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you kind of look at our offensive line and, um, you know, we had three of our five starting offensive linemen as all-conference players. You know, I think it talks a lot about not only the success that they had. We rushed for over 2,000 yards, which is a monster number. Um, equally as impressive is the fact that we give up nine sacks all year. And, and that's, uh, again, a tribute to what Coach Burke has been able to do with them, how our offense is run, obviously the techniques and the skills that he teaches. Um, you know, our guy is able to execute. But um, – you know, Christian Dietrich has kind of been the staple of our upfront line. And, and then the, the one guy that, you know, we're going to miss is Jeremy Lombardi. You know, and he was a kid that um, came to us and I think he, we started him as a fullback is where he kind of started. Linebacker? Or linebacker. Line it was, linebacker. All right, it was linebacker first, and then we moved him to fullback. And then out of necessity, we ended up playing him at center. And he's never left the field since, you know, and that was, I don't know, three, four years ago. So, I mean, uh, he's not very big, obviously. He's not what you would call your typical offensive lineman. Um, I don't know, 5'10", maybe a buck or 10 or 210, maybe 205. Um, But just an absolute clinic in terms of film. You know, if you want to teach offensive line play, you put him on, Um, you know, and then, 
some of our other guys, Victor Lopez did a fantastic job. Was was all conference this year as well. Uh, Logan Jacobs just continues to get better. Just changed his his body type over this past off season and just got much more athletic and. Um, you know, and, and then again, they call themselves the Morris Moving Company. Um, that they've actually have a brand. Um, I think they're looking for NLI deals out there. Um, they all have long hair, so they're trying to get like head and shoulders or something like that. Sure. You know, so yeah, yeah and got a got the flowing locks. So, um, but it's just such a great group. And and the, the exciting part is, I mean, that's just kind of our starting offensive line. The guys that we have that we plug in for injuries when they occur, like for example, Yags, he was hurt. Uh, in that crown game, you know, we just plug the next guy in. I mean, there's we we got some depth at O line too. It's not just our starting five, um, which is as someone who lived that life for a long time can say that you can never have enough guys up front. But frankly, in Morris's history, at least recently, we've never had enough guys up front. So again, when you talk about development of a program, to me, it's so amazing. It is quite literally amazing to see just numbers and the ability to do multiple things and not having to have guys potentially even playing both ways like Coach Galen did, things like that, that that it seems like ancient history. But for anyone who's been here, that was during the 18 season that we were literally just in that spot. Yeah, those were those were the days, yeah. as you like to say. But yeah, no more both ways, that's for sure. So before we talk recruiting, which I do want to get into, and I think it's a, a a lifeline, obviously, of what you're doing here. Talk to me a little bit about just the regional landscape of, of football here in the Upper Midwest, and and obviously the as as a conference, the Upper Midwest Athletic Conference gets our automatic bid into the playoffs. I know that hasn't been a super successful successful venture for whoever's got it, but right around us, you know, you got the MIAC, the WIAC, the American Rivers Conference. I mean, what is when when you're prepping and when you're recruiting and when you're doing all those things, knowing that you've got all of these football quote-unquote powerhouse leagues right around you what what does that mean for cougar football kind of looking in that crystal ball well and you referenced it i mean there's just a lot of college football around here uh you referenced some d3s of course we got the nsic in the in the landscape we got the big boys and the fcs's i mean there's there's college football all over this area and so um trying to win battles uh, against them in in high schools is a challenge and and it's something that you know we've been more successful lately than we've had in the past um, you know there were times when you talk to a kid and you hear some of the schools he's looking at you say I'll cross him off you know and now it's well let's go to battle I, I, I think we can get this guy um, because of just our uniqueness a little bit both as a campus in, in terms of our um, academic prowess and then also us as coaches and selling our vision and selling what we're trying to do. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because the D twos, I would say in, in these past couple of years have really gone more into mass, um, type recruiting in terms of it. You kind of look at some of the upper echelon D twos and they're still pretty selective and they're going to scholarship their guys and they're going to get them early. But there's more and more of low scholarship and what I call, I guess I call it attrition recruiting, where basically, you know, we're going to throw $500 of an athletic scholarship at this kid. And if he makes it great, if he doesn't, it's only 500 bucks to us, you know. And so so we have seen some what I call boomerang and where guys we recruited are now looking us back up and, and saying, hey, you know, you, am I could I still have an opportunity mm-hmm. there? So, I mean, that's been kind of different. Obviously, with the transfer rules now and the – you know, portal and all that stuff, you know, we're, we're in there too and, and, and trying to find some guys that can, um, you know, potentially make impacts early. So, um, but that's probably been some of the biggest changes. 
So as we, as we continue the recruiting discussion, um, where do you guys look? What is that like for you and your staff in terms of, is it local, is it regional, is it, is it, is it national? What do you really focus on in terms of recruiting? What are the, what are the top few things that you really, really, really try to uh, focus on with you and your staff in terms of bringing in the next crop of kids? Yeah, I think Minnesota is still home base, and, and we want to make sure that we are blanketing the states um, as much as we can. I, I think not only from a recruiting standpoint, you know, but also, I mean, just looking historically, those are the students that are successful, um, and, and they do well, and, and, and they graduate, and they do all those great things. Also, you know, it, it, it helps in fans, right? It helps in getting support. Um, you know, this kid from this high school has a great experience here, and he becomes our best recruiter uh, because especially of Especially if he's from Osakis. Well, especially if he's from Osakis. Okay, um, we are like Osakis College, yes. Um, I was just in there the other day, actually, so talking to another crowd. Hey, as long as they end up like Imfinger and Meyer, I don't – we'll take them, man, and then some. Exactly, and, and Watness, of course. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, locally, I mean, I'm banging down the doors trying to get these kids locally and, and making sure that uh, we try to keep as much as we can in-house, so to speak. And But then, yeah, just across the state, the Twin Cities continues to be a hard nut to crack, so to speak. Um, but we've had made some progress in that area. And you look at our roster and you'll see kids from Minneapolis and, um, you know, St. Paul and those areas. So, so that's been good. And then, you know, we, we've kind of, through a lot of trial and error and, and just, you know, research and really looking at uh, different locations, we made kind of this push out west and, and through the Dakotas uh, into Montana. Idaho has been really good for us, believe it or not, and Washington State. And that's, you know, bosses from Washington, for example. And so, um, you know, that area in the Pacific Northwest has been really good for us in, in, in recruiting. And um, yeah, just really just taking them from anywhere, um, really. And, and But those are kind of the main areas that, that we've been able to hit. Now, this past weekend, uh, you and your staff, uh, as we were talking about the other day, we're at the Indigenous Bowl at the TCF Bank Stadium. Talk to us a little bit about that experience, what that was like. Yeah, that was... Uh it's always really special, and and I mean, what a what a special event, what a great event that is put on um, by Seven G is, is is the foundation, Seven Generations, and you know we we got involved um, with Seven G when it started the Indigenous Bowl, um, and that has been something that we've been very active in in terms of recruiting, um, you know, and just hearing the. Uh, even when I was there this past weekend, you know, just hearing the different stories of of the opportunities, you know, I was kind of blessed to have, well, I want to say six of my current players with me there. Um, so hearing them talk about, um, you know, how this was really their only opportunity, and, and this was their chance to to really change their family's life, and and it's just some powerful stuff. And you know, obviously with with, with you know our opportunities here on campus for Native American students. Uh, it's a great match, and and those players have just they work hard. They're very respectful. Um, they want to succeed, and and that's really a good athlete to work with, um, you know. So, but yeah, it was a great event. We had a banquet on Saturday night, and then uh, Sunday was the game. And um, like I said, I was able to speak uh, to the whole group on Saturday, and and then speak or then have a few of my players talk as well. Which, by the way, they did an outstanding job to give them a little pat on the back as well. 
All right, so here's my follow-up to that, and this isn't specific to the Indigenous Bowl or whatever, but, and I've heard this from you before, but I think it's it's powerful enough to, to warrant sharing, and it's a Tim Grove special here. Give me your 30-second elevator speech to a potential recruit or a parent when you want to talk to them about Minnesota Morris and, and about the Cougar football family that they're talking about joining. Again, mm-hmm. nutshell that up for me. I mean, wh- what does that sound like, Coach? Well, um, you know, first and foremost, it's the university, right? It's the U of M. It's the opportunity to get a, um, a degree from the U of M and do it at a university that's highly regarded academically from a liberal arts standpoint. You know, being a top 10 liberal arts college for the past 23 some years and, and have that opportunity to have the small class sizes, right? Interaction with professors that care about you um, and that want to see you be successful. And um, then the multiple do the multitude of opportunities, um, that you have post-graduation, right? And then from a football standpoint, you know, a program that's, you know, really cares about you. We are, we are in the business of preparing young men for life. And, and we want to make sure that these four years that you're going to love and be some of the best years of your life. You and I can attest to that. But ultimately as, as a program, we're looking at the next 40. And, and so we're developing you as a person, as a character, um, as a individual, and then from their academic success, um, we're going to support you academically in the classroom, make sure that you graduate and do all those things that, that you want to do academically here at this fine institution. And then championship play is something that we talk about a lot um, in terms of we're in the business of winning, you know, and we want to make sure that, uh, you know, the experience is much better when you win and and um you know that's something that we want to focus on as well yeah no doubt about it i i love that i've i've heard you guys say that before in terms of the we have you for four preparing you for 40 i just think that is such mm-hmm. a great way to think about this and to look at that and and yeah that's got to be part of the 30 second elevator speech that you give anybody when you have the opportunity uh before we let you go coach i want to look have you look a little bit forward in terms of goals for the program we've talked a little bit about how close that that this this group is and and how close they are to to getting the ultimate success of a conference championship and the opportunity to play at in a national tournament right and um so moving looking forward a little bit and and moving this group forward what are your goals what do you hope to be talking about a year from now two years from now five years from now regarding cougar football yeah you know certainly winning um conference championship um is a top of that list and you know, and, and, and for us, I think, you know, really then the grand vision of looking ahead is then being competitive and compete regionally, um, being able to win these non-conference games that we play, uh, being able to, um, you know, travel to different places and, and, and play upper echelon D3s and, and really make it competitive and really make it a, 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 a ball game, you know. So, um, you know, we play four or three MIAC teams every year, and, and, and again, we got to we got to win those, you know, I want to get to a point in this program where, where we're winning those and, um, you know, kind of becoming the predominant uh, Division Three school here in Minnesota. And, and that's a, a, a lofty task, I, I, I understand. But um, again, that, that expectation should be here and that expectation of winning conference titles year in and year out and, you know, put up six in a row banners like you have and, and be able to do those types of things has got to be um, what this program accomplishes. Well, you're, you're well on your way, and it's just been uh, fun to see the growth and development of the, the program. You know, my first year here, uh, back in, it was the fall of 06, was, I believe, our last uh, UMAC football championship. And so I came in with that, with that success, and, and I came in. I was here <laughs> at the same time, I should say, as that. Uh, and it's just fun because I, 
I see this group just being right there, ready to ready to do that same thing. And and with everything you've talked about today, um, I have no doubt that it's it's going to happen. It, it's it's hard. Winning is hard, right? It yes. is so hard to do. And that's one thing I talk about with my athletes too is is winning is very very difficult. And it's um, you know championships uh, don't change what it takes to get there, mm-hmm. right? That there's a championship standard that people just have to raise up to because it's not going to lower the standard for us. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to make sure we're doing everything along the way to to attain that. Yeah, and and although you might have been taking nine episodes to get in here with you, uh, we talk a lot of Cougar football. We, we look at a lot of Cougar football because we understand what you guys are doing and, and how important your program is, but all of our Cougar athletic programs are to this institution and what we are here. So, I mean, in full disclosure, Marty, I mean, it's – we can go back and forth and give each other a lot of grief, but the reality is I love what you're doing. I love what Cougar football stands for, and, and hopefully on this continued trajectory of where it is, that next year we're sitting here a year from now talking about that championship and that opportunity to go play in the playoffs and, and give that experience to your students, to your kids. And mm-hmm. I know how that Im- important that is to you and, and, and certainly your outstanding staff, which don't get near as much talk about as what they probably even should, but the time and effort that those – uh, young men put in and men period put in to doing a great job here is just outstanding so with that mr hoffman you are officially uh, out of the den but we appreciate you joining us today and and everything you're doing for cougar football all right well i hope i get invited back all right mr grove that once again and i know we've said it after turnbull and we said it after susan good too but just to sit here and think about the guys, that, the people that we have a chance to, to work with on a daily basis and how they're impacting our students uh, is the kind of stuff that I just, I live for, man. I love all of it. Yep, I love it too. And from a, from a coaching standpoint, um, there's things that I take away from all these conversations. You know, I'll go back to my office now and write something down. Yep, add this somehow to what we are currently doing because it's really, really good. Um, and so, yeah, today was no different. Just great stuff from Coach Hoffman and um, looking forward to continuing to uh, support and watch this football team grow and develop and bring home that championship. 100%. Uh, let's transition into uh, your sport and, and our sport, Cougar women's basketball. Uh, opened up conference play last weekend. Battled, 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 yeah. battled all weekend long. Didn't come out on the on the right side of those victories. Um, but talk to me a little bit about it, Tim, about how, how you're feeling, what you thought, the, the how the games unfolded, et cetera. Yeah, you said it exactly right. We went 0-2. Could have been 2-0. We had second-half leads in both games uh, and lost them for different reasons. I felt Friday, ni- Friday night's game at North Central where um, we had the uh, tournament championship game a year ago, so we were really anxious to get back there and, and kind of avenge that. And we put ourselves in position to do so, but we just didn't, didn't get it done. I thought that we played well enough to win that game. Um, it was a situation where North Central just played better. They knocked down some huge shots in the second half. They actually got us down as many as 14 in the fourth quarter, which we battled back, made it a two-point game at, uh, I think it was 69-67. We had them at the line. They missed two free throws, but we give up an offensive rebound and a putback. And so it goes from a one-possession game with a minute to go to a two-possession game. And from a coaching standpoint, that really changes things and, and, and what you are able to do. So um, I just thought that, that we, we played well enough to win that game. They just made a few more shots than we did in that in that fourth quarter. Um, that was really the difference uh, in that North Central game. Yeah, and uh, you know, I had a chance to watch just the the end of it. To be full, I didn't get to see the first half. Um, but as I came on there, I mean, again, the, the the what your women are displaying on the court is that battle and that willingness to go and get it. You even pushed yourself to a small lead in the third quarter when I had watched at one point in time, and then North Central did what they had to do to get back in in control of that ball game. Um, 
But as per, and it's kind of a reoccurring theme of the year, again, good looks, open looks that just haven't found the bottom of the, of the net just yet for you. Yep, and and as true as that is, offense was really not our problem on Friday night. We put up our season high of 69 points, which we, you know, you tell me that on the way down, I'm feeling pretty good about uh, getting back on the bus with a victory. But again, that was a situation where North Central, they were the ones that really shot it well, um, particularly in the second half. Um, you know, I guess if I look here, they were they were six of 13 in the second half from three-point range, uh, which was really the difference. And, and some of those shots were keeping us in the game because I, I felt they were quick and kind of poor shots from their standpoint. Uh, we were able to get the ball back, and some of them were just killers because they hit the bottom of the net and, and gave them exactly what they needed. Um, but then moving into Saturday, I thought the Northwestern game, um, ugly. I mean, <laughs> ugly both ways. I mean, there were 50, 5-0 combined turnovers in that game which, I mean, that's setting basketball back uh, quite a few years to turn the ball over 50 times in a game. Unfortunately, 28 of those were ours, and 10 of those 28 happened in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had gone into the fourth quarter tied up, and um, to have 10 turnovers and only eight points that fourth quarter was just an absolute killer. And um, so, again, some, some good things we can take away, but in terms of, of what, that, what that feeling was from, from Saturday, Whereas Friday, we thought, hey, we played well enough to win. They just beat us. Saturday, we lost it. I mean, that was mm-hmm. one we can look at. We didn't make the plays that we needed to do to win this game. And, and uh, you know, Northwestern didn't play great either. Um, but it was just one of those things. Kind of that, that was kind of the, the dynamics of the two games over the weekend for us. Um, I felt uh, primarily offensively. Um, you know, if you're going to turn the ball over that much, then you better be doing some other things well, and we just weren't doing other things well enough. Right, and from the, the spectator view seats of it again, too, controllable turnovers, right? Absolutely. Not, not necessarily enforced by the defense, but travels or errant passes and things like that that I know I'm sure you stress to the women thereabouts, but just how, and I always say, and I know it's a football analogy, but I would say ball security is job security. We used to say that all the time, and if you give it away, you know, you're going to set, but the reality is Northwestern did too, 22 turnovers themselves right. too, that I'm sure... Aaron isn't real happy about down there, but um, once again, it's it's a it's a ball game that in the fourth quarter you go into that thing tied with an opportunity to come out with a win versus and and that's not to make light of any of your other trips throughout the course of the year, but arguably your toughest trip of the year starts off right off the bat with with two perennial conference uh, tournament teams. Absolutely, and that's that's why we we felt we were we were happy about it in terms of of we have a go we have a chance to go back to that uh, site of the, the tournament championship last year, which, which we were excited about, knowing this was probably the most difficult road stretch, two-game stretch that we had, and we felt really good about it. And and to come away, yes, 0-2, but also with that feeling of we could have been 2-0 and with mm-hmm. just a couple of different things here and there. Um, this team is close, and it doesn't feel like it with, with the record we've got and the, what we're kind of going through right now, uh, but we're really close, and, and I'm looking forward to um, what – what's in store for us, I think, once we turn the page into 2023 and, and get into the meat of our UMAC season, and I think really good things are going to happen. Well, and before we turn that page, though, I mean, it, it bears repeating that, I mean, you play a double round in, in all of our vast majority of our conference sports, so you're, we're going to get North Central and Northwestern again. Now they're going to come our way to it, and we're going to have a lot more seasoning under the belt that hopefully, you know, propels us in that right direction. But even before we get there, T, real briefly, talk a little bit about your winter trip, and that's something I'm so excited for your program, and I'm, I I would assume you and Coach Seely are as well, too. Where are you going? What are you doing? Yeah, so on Saturday, we head out for uh, Santa Cruz, California, and this is this will be my first time, uh, well, I guess ever, I was going to say in my time here, 
but my first time as a basketball coach, putting my team on a plane to go to go play some games. So we're really looking forward to that. It's it's an option that we've given some teams of ours in the past. Is this something you you guys want to do? And this was the first group that took us up on. It. I said, yeah, that really sounds like something that would be a lot of fun. So um, yeah, we we're gonna fly into San Francisco and then make our way down to Santa Cruz. Uh, we have <laughs> talk about our schedule this year. When it rains, it pours, I guess. So uh, a week from now, next week Wednesday. We play none other than University of Wisconsin Whitewater, who just happened to be in the national championship game last year. Um, and I believe their current ranking, I think they're 12th in the country right now. Um, they have lost a couple of games, uh, a rarity at Whitewater. Uh, so we'll see them on Wednesday and then Thursday before we fly back. We do see, uh, of course, the host school, UC Santa Cruz. Uh, who is only ranked 18th in the country at the moment. So um, some some difficult contests for us out there. Uh, but as we have talked, and, and I think people that make these trips, um, yes, basketball is a part of the experience, but that's not why we're going out there. It's the vehicle that's getting us out there, obviously. Um, but, you know, this trip is going to be about so much more than, than playing a couple games. You know, it's going to be a great experience for our players, uh, for myself. I've never been out that way. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. Um, uh, hoping for you know uh, good weather and, and that everything goes well, and uh, just looking forward to to providing that experience and experiencing that with just a, a group of of uh, young student athletes that uh, we absolutely love. Right, you know, parlaying those trips into what you hope is more success in the season. Right, that's all fine and dandy, and and actually it's important. But the reality is, from from what everybody who's done it before in different groups, different teams to travel, that camaraderie, that that forced in some cases because you're sitting on a plane trapped and you're going to go rush and play a couple games but but the experience for those kids is something you want to talk about something they're going to remember for the rest of their life that trip will be one of those things arguably even more than losing to north central on a friday night someplace 100 percent. and and coach lou has been this is her seventh season here i believe and the two of us have had conversations about trips that she has made as a student athlete they were uh down to texas and and a couple different places and and I have yet to hear her say anything about basketball in those conversations. It's about, oh gosh, this funny thing that happened in the hot tub or uh, this thing at the hotel. Or, you know, that's, that's what these trips are all about. And that camaraderie that she talks about, still being so close friends with the people that she went on those trips with, mm-hmm. that, that you're exactly right. That's what, we are, that's what we are kind of, I guess you could say, looking forward to this rolling into and really being a... Uh, uh, pulled together type of, of experience for us. Yep. And again, leading into January 3rd on both the men's and the women's side after the first of the year, you guys hit the court again for, for action. Um, and we'll see, you know, what it looks like from a podcast. We won't cast before then, certainly, but we'll talk that when we get back here. Um, before we get off the air today, though, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what was an unbelievable weekend on the men's side of things. And I know I mean, it's it's probably always an interesting dynamic for you because you're down there, obviously doing your well. The men are first this year, but I mean, you're you're watching your brother coach. You're seeing this team compete and do their thing, and then you've got to go fire it up yourself with your own squad. I haven't got to see that on the road yet. But talk to me about the experience of being down there and watching the guys take two off of some incredible UMAC competition. It was great, and both North Central men and obviously Northwestern, who has been kind of the, the cream of the crop here in our league. Uh, I was going to say in recent history, I would guess since Coach Gross has been down there, really. Um, just, you know, both teams with high expectations, obviously playing at home. And to get both wins for our men, absolutely awesome. Um, and I think a little bit, you know, kind of like our, our two games were a little bit different. I would say the same for the men. I thought their game Friday night was honestly a little bit ugly. 
you know, there were some some turnovers. Uh, offensively, wasn't as smooth. Um, relatively low scoring. I mean, we put up uh, 67 points, which for the men isn't isn't great. But even North Central with 59, a 67-59 win, I don't know that they'll score that low again the rest of the season. Um, so give credit to our, our defense to some degree as well. Um, but just some timely shots. A kid like Jared Kuyava goes two for three from the three-point line. Uh, we only shot 12. We only made four total. I mean, he's got two of them. Um, so it was just a, a situation there where it was really great to get off that court with a, with a victory. Again, a team in North Central with high expectations, a good group back, a first-year coach, yes, but a really good group back. And it was just fun to see our team kind of, um, I would say, gut that one out would probably be the, the term I would use because, again, nothing was, was, was fluid uh, a Friday night at, at downtown Minneapolis. They had really had to, had to gut that out and did some really good things down the stretch to uh, secure that victory. Well, and both nights, again, just being able to look at a box store, you see a lot of the familiar names, somebody we've talked about in terms of his impact potentially on the game that really brought it that weekend was Conagieser. No on both nights was just outstanding. I mean, over 50% both nights, timely shots, you know, taking care of the ball, doing those things that, that are going to help us win a lot of ball games. And he was one, he had our final nine points of the game Friday night. I mean, it was a situation where, where we just kind of spaced out the floor, set up a high ball screen for him and let him attack. And he is so good with the ball, he can finish at the rim. He's got the stop-and-pop game. But we also have shooters on the perimeter. So it's kind of pick your poison. Are you, are you going to try to really shut down Conagieser and, and collapse on him with, with somebody from the outside? Well, then, okay, we'll kick it out. Um, or are you going to kind of play things straight up and see if he can beat you at the rim, which he did. He had the final nine points uh, of that game, and, and he was really a key factor in closing things out for us Friday night. And then moving that to Saturday, going to Northwestern uh, at a place where the Cougs hadn't won since, I believe, 2014. 14. Um, and any UMAC team, for that matter, has had very little success uh, there. And for that game, we're down 12 at half. We got down as many as 13, I believe, with under 10 minutes to go, maybe about nine minutes to go in that game. And I've got to shout out a kid that I think, I'm going to look, I think he had three, four, five minutes of the game. Five minutes, Gus Gunderson. Mm. Coaches put Gus Gunderson in that game, and his stat line in five minutes, three points, he had a steal, two assists, and a rebound. You talk about crucial plays at a crucial time in that game. That's basically when we kind of, uh, I don't want to say completely turned it around. I think we had, we had started to make a run at that time. Gus comes in with some fantastic minutes there. Um, so impactful in those five minutes. Uh, but we went on, as I mentioned, we're down 13. We went on an 18-0 run. Um, uh, for us, and obviously things are going right offensively, but what we were doing defensively, they went to that zone, which has been a tough nut to crack for a lot of teams, and uh, Northwestern couldn't figure it out, and our rebounding out of that was phenomenal, and we were aggressive enough offensively that allowed us to get to the line a lot, and we got to the line 31 times. 97%. That's, I sent one text to Paul after the game, and it was two things. I said, congratulations, dot, 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 97%. And you talk about Gunderson. Now here I'm going to go a little egg on his face. Gus, in those five minutes, though, he missed at the line, man. He did. He was three He's for four. He's the one? Oh. Yes. Yes, he it was. was. <clears throat> As the... Uh, Eagle Cast, or what they do an outstanding job they in do. Northwestern of their broadcast. But you want to talk about the announcer jinx in full play and unapologetic about oh, it? Right. Oh, every time Doc got fouled, they're like, ah, oh, you know, Paul goes to the line here for the Cougars, you know, have made their last 12 in a row. And I'm going, okay. 
you're trying to do it, but walk up and then they go nothing but nylon, yes. nothing but nylon. It was insane. I've never, literally, never seen anything like that before in my life. Yeah, that's Ryan Mitchell. He does do a fantastic job uh, with the with the Eagle Sports Network. I think is what they call it. But he's he's also one of the guys behind the the UMAC Pod. Um, oh, no unlike kid. any okay. other, that's that's yeah. Ryan Mitchell. And uh, so yeah, he does a a great job. Um, uh, but but yeah, I mean to go thirty for thirty one. <laughs> From the free throw line in that game, you're not going to say that that's what won it for them. Uh, but had they not shot that way, certainly could would have been one of the things that that caused them to not get it. Well, and the Northwestern, and obviously there's a lot of situations, and we're ahead, so they're fouling, so we have more opportunities, etc. But Northwestern goes five of fifteen. I mean, that's just the reality. It's a whatever quick math twenty five point swing, and again, things change, and you don't know how the game plays out. But they miss two out of every three, and we make ninety seven percent. I was just. I was proud. I was proud for Paul, but honestly, I was more happy for the players. And I know Coach Holloman shared a little video of them all, gen- you know, jumping around in the locker room. And I thought to myself, "Man, if that's not college athletics, I don't know what it is." You know, that's that's celebrating victory with your with your friends, colleagues, teammates, etc. Doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't. In, in the coaching world, that is as good as it gets. It's just. Uh... It's phenomenal. Again, it's not the reason we do what we do, but it is way up there because, uh, as as Coach Hoffman mentioned earlier in the pod, uh, winning provides a, a better experience than losing does. Mm-hmm. And where it's not the most important thing, um, it's it's way up there. And um, yeah, winning beats losing every time, and, and we're looking forward to getting back on that winning side as soon as we can. So as we reference, the men come out of that UMAC weekend 2-0 and in conference. They do not have the luxury or the ability, apparently, to go to California and play a team that's eight hours from here, halfway across the country like you Correct. are. But nonetheless, uh, the guys are sitting nice right now. They will be coming out of, as I just referenced a little bit ago, January 3rd, facing Waldorf on the road again. Uh, and, and you know, hopefully continuing this really hot stretch of play that they're on. Uh, and and for all of, of, you know, our winter sports athletes competing, this break always gives us a time to, to get our athletes back home or to do whatever, give them a chance to just decompress because shortly thereafter, once again, track and field gets rolling again. I think Coach Cazizzo is bringing them back like the second week of January, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, Swimming and diving starts really gearing up for the LACs uh, that now is kind of that lull, um, but it's the calm before the storm that that happens in winter. Yep, it is. And and for us, what's going to be nice, you know, the – up to this point, the non-conference season is kind of wherever, right? It's it's all over the place. We have games on Tuesdays, we have games on Thursdays. We have a couple. What, what's nice about the conference schedule is we really settle down into a rhythm. Uh, we'll come back for that one non-conference game, as you have mentioned. But after that, it's basically the weekends. We have we throw in a, a Tuesday night uh, uh, game um, during the week that we only have our travel partner game. So other than that, it's weekend games and we can really fall into a, a nice rhythm and, and um, it's something we're really looking forward to. Well, we're looking forward to it all. I was looking forward to having Coach Hoffman join us, and he didn't disappoint. Um, this is going to be our last episode of 2022. It's been amazing being with you. Um, a, a huge shout-out once again to Mike Seahawk, who's working as engineer for us, and Jack Gala, who is here in studio with us. Um, we continue to add more and more pieces to this, not just the ability to, to have guests, but to everything we're doing, and, and hopefully the people out there enjoy this as much as we are, Tim. Absolutely. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, all, and uh, take care of yourself. You have been in and out of the den. You've been listening to Into the Den with Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. Let's put a bow on this thing. To get the latest episodes of Into the Den, follow us on Spotify and online at morriscookers.com. 
Until next time, go Cougars!